getting ready for a new reality. They say that we should all expect the best and plan for the worst. It's a great headline, but I don't want to be given the choice of two wild extremes. Expect the best. So what might your best expectations be? Maybe it's the lockdown ends in a couple of months, we go back to business as usual, avoid a world recession and leave the EU with a trade deal. In other words, the pigs are fueled and ready to fly. It doesn't actually matter too much what you think the best might be. The truth is that if you're in a situation where you even have to ask the question, then your most optimistic best outcome probably won't be happening anytime soon. But at least it might give you something to hang on to at 4am when your mind is at its most vulnerable. And plan for the worst? Well, the worst is a terrifying, ill-formed monster lurking in the depths of your imagination where every option looks like a catastrophe and none of it is your fault. It leaves you frozen in indecision. Instead of taking action, you carry on as if nothing had changed, relying on wishful thinking and your lucky rabbit's foot to get you through. Instead, determine that whatever happens, you won't be a victim and then focus on making a realistic plan. While you're not responsible for the virus, you are 100% responsible for your response to the situation that it's created. So decide what the worst might really be, and usually they discover it's not nearly as bad as the monster would have you believe, and then resolve that if the worst happens, you can handle it, and that you will do whatever it takes to make sure it doesn't occur. Now, if you're not sure... Repeat the following five times on the hour, every hour, with gusto. Things won't be that different in the end, and until then I can handle it. Things won't be that different in the end, and until then I can handle it. The road to recovery. Just as a patient who survives the virus will do so in four stages. Crisis, cure, convalescence, recovery. The economy and your business is going to have to go through a very similar process. Just one word has changed. It's now crisis, cure, recession, recovery. We're in the cure stage as I record this. We've learned that there isn't going to be a quick fix and that we must ride it out for now. One day restrictions will be gradually lifted and people will enjoy a return to a semblance of normal. They'll go back to work get outside, go for higher overdue haircuts, see friends, buy stuff, and the soundtrack to it all will be Bill Withers' lovely day, lovely day, lovely day. But this won't last long. After the ravages of the crisis and the cure, the world economy is going to have to convalesce, and this convalescence will manifest as a recession. Across the UK, unemployment will go up, pay will be frozen, Investment will be blocked and some businesses will fail. Your business needs to convalesce too. You're going to have to treat it differently and take extra special care of it while the economy moves towards recovery. The good news is that recessions are nothing new. Seasoned business owners know that A, what to do when one occurs, and B, that recessions always end. Consumers in a recession... According to Quelch and Jocks in the HBR April 2009, consumers in recession fall into four groups or segments. First, slam on the brakes. 
They are the most vulnerable and hardest hit financially. This group reduces all types of spending by eliminating, postponing, decreasing or substituting purchases. Although lower income consumers typically fall into this segment, anxious higher income customers can, can as well, particularly if their health or other circumstances change for the worst. Pained but patient. They tend to be resilient and optimistic about the long term, but less confidence about the prospects for recovery in the near term or their ability to maintain their standard of living. Like slam on the brakes consumers, they economise in all areas, though less aggressively. They constitute the largest segment and include the great majority of households, unscathed by unemployment, representing a wide range of income levels. As news gets worse, pain-but-patient consumers increasingly migrate into the slam-on-the-brakes segment. The comfortably well-off. They feel secure about their ability to ride out current and future bumps in the economy. They consume at near pre-recession levels, though now they tend to be a little bit more selective and less conspicuous about their purchases. The segment consists primarily of people in the top 5% income bracket. It also includes those who are less wealthy but feel confident about the stability of their finances, the comfortably retired, for example, or investors who got out of the market early or had their money in low-risk investments. The final segment is Live for Today. This group carries on as usual and for the most part remains unconcerned about savings. The consumers in this group respond to the recession mainly by extending their timetables for making major purchases. Typically urban and younger, they are more likely to rent than own and they spend on experiences rather than stuff, with the exception of consumer electronics. They're unlikely to change their consumption behaviour unless they become unemployed. Regardless of which group consumers belong to, they prioritise spending by sorting products and services into four categories. Essentials are necessary for survival or perceived as central to well-being. My specs are broken, or I can't see clearly enough, but I can't afford much right now. Attract this group with essential eyewear collection and frames complete with lenses of very affordable price. After essentials come treats. These are indulgences whose immediate purchase is considered justifiable. I really fancy some new specs and the price isn't too high. Encourage people to treat themselves with the Style 99 collection, fabulous eyewear at an affordable price and other incentives to purchase at higher price points. Number three, postponables. Are needed or desired items whose purchase can reasonably be put off. I'll get some super new specs from you when all this is over, but in the meantime, I'll go down to that other place and get some cheap ones. Stop this group from going elsewhere by letting them purchase at a more affordable treat from you. And then there's expendables. These are perceived as unnecessary or unjustifiable. At that price, you're having a laugh. I'm off down the road for something I can afford. This drift towards treats and essentials drives prices down and your practice should adjust its offering accordingly. Your loyal patience in a recession The loyal customer gives you first refusal on their next transaction, but now their needs have changed. They were happy in the way that you fulfilled what they needed, wanted, liked and paid last time. And if all things were equal, you'd get their custom this time too. 
The challenge is that their needs, wants, likes and comfortable budget will change in a recession. And if they come to you and your offering doesn't deliver to their new criteria, they will simply go and look somewhere else, albeit reluctantly. Consequently, in a recession, your loyal patients will leave more time between eye exams, try to make their specs last longer, choose to reglaze frames instead of having new ones, spend less than before when they do change their specs, turn up for a routine eye examination, absolutely determined not to purchase any new ones, come to you for a great eye exam and then take their prescription down the road. They might even leave you altogether for a more affordable option. Now the multiples and the large groups in a recession. Your big competitors are very aware of this patient migration and will be expecting to grab market share with lower prices and special offers. They know that after months of lockdown, there will be a lot of people looking for new specs, many of whom will be looking for a more affordable alternative to their usual optician, and some whose usual optician has simply closed for good. Their professional marketeers know that if, while others choose to cut their marketing budgets, they maintain or even increase theirs, they will get a larger share of voice, resulting in more market share during and after the downturn. I think it's going to be like watching a game of Hungry Hippos. They'll go full out to gobble up as much of the market as they can with non-stop special offers. And what are the local independent practice in the midst of this maelstrom? One of my mentors was constantly reminding us that in every crisis there's a golden opportunity if only you're willing to find it and take it. And here are some things that you must be willing to do in order to find the opportunities in this and get your practice through its convalescence. Number one is flex your business model. Nearly every business model has to change in order to get through a recession, but some have to change far more than others. Don't strive to build your perfect practice. Instead, build the practice that is perfect for the economy and for the changing needs of your patients. This means looking at new strategies. This means looking at new ways of doing things. And this means letting go some of the rules that might have controlled your decisions previously. Rules like, if you do discounts, you just become like spec savers. Trust me, you'll never be just like Specsavers because of all the other wonderful things that you do in your own quirky, delightful and original way. Rules like, I'm just going to focus on the comfortably well-off. Actually, this might be a winner for you if your practice is situated in the middle of where all the rich folk live and more importantly, where they shop. But if you're not in this wealthy Neverland Relentlessly sticking to this group alone will mean that you're relentlessly deterring the other 95% of the population. Rules like, marketing doesn't work. I tried a leaflet drop once and nobody turned up. In a recession, you have simply got to make sure that your patients and all the people like them know that you're doing something different. Rules like, well, I don't want to see them if they come to me for an eye exam but take their prescription elsewhere. Wouldn't it be better to change your offering so that it delivers what they want in the consulting room and the dispensing desk? You've got to try things and you've got to learn what works best, so you've got to fail faster in order to learn quicker. Don't strive for perfection. In these turbulent times, 90% will nearly always be good enough. Most of all, you mustn't wait to see what everyone else is doing and how it works out for them. If you do, you will be too late. Ring fence your database. 
During the lockdown, tell the patients who are due an eye examination that you haven't forgotten them and that you will call them to book them in with a priority appointment as soon as you're allowed. Don't just wait for the moment when their recall is due to contact them. If you haven't told them about your new price points and promotions, your recall could simply prompt them to go elsewhere. Send them things like pass it on vouchers, a postcard with a special offer that they can use themselves or pass on to a friend. Send them TLC cards simply to get them back into the practice to get their specs cleaned and adjusted. And of course, discover what you now are offering. You neglect your database at your peril. You must make sure that the people in it are informed, both logically and emotionally attached to you, and therefore far less likely to stray. Actively demonstrate great value for money. If this headline makes you feel uncomfortable, repeat the following to yourself over and over until you feel better. Offering value is all about giving people a lot for their money at a price they can afford. You must actively feature all of the things that make you outstanding and therefore more valuable compared to the competition. So people are in no doubt about what they'd be missing if they went elsewhere. Because an affordable price is only an issue in the absence of value. Celebrate all of the things that you do that nobody else can do. Celebrate your specialities, your clinical services, your dispensing skills. Celebrate the fact that you're a boutique. Celebrate the fact that your customer experience is second to none. Get close to your local community. Empathise with them. Demonstrate that you understand their fears and frustrations. Show them that you share the same values and concerns and that you are with them. Check your pricing and your gross profit model. In these more turbulent times, people will want to spend less and if you want to see them at all, you're going to have to expect to take a lower cash gross profit from them. So you must be ready to work harder to make the same amount. Get the word out. It's not enough to know that you have a very affordable price list. If you're not featuring it in your window, if you're not putting it all over your homepage or the website, if you're not demonstrating it with ev nearly every social media post, then how will people know? You cannot afford to keep this a secret. Polish up your sales system. Once you've brought people through your door, either from your database or as a result of your marketing and advertising, you need to think carefully about the sales process. It's particularly important in a recession to give people solid reasons to purchase by recommending products that they will value. Look after your numbers. If you don't manage the numbers that define how well your practice is performing, you'll be behaving in a similar way to an optometrist who doesn't measure the numbers that indicate whether somebody has glaucoma or not. You must look carefully at your KPIs, key performance indicators, on a daily and weekly basis, particularly the number of tests, conversion rates, average transaction value and sales per day. And you must plan your profits and manage your cash. Now, this list isn't complete. There are things, things are moving so fast it can't be. So keep an eye on the bounce back program in the, in the club. There'll be lots of regular updates. In the end, things won't be that different and it's going to be a bumpy road, but with careful leadership, you will get through it. The only thing we know for sure is that the world will be a very different place when the doors reopen compared to what it was like in January. But we can make sure of a secure place in it if we're prepared to plan ahead and adapt the way we work.